Hey, church family, thank you so much for joining us today. Man, it's been good already, hasn't it? Josh and I just wanted to thank you so much for uh, showing your appreciation. Man, we appreciate you as well. And uh, thank you so much for uh, just uh, loving on us and accepting us uh, and, and just welcoming us into your family. And uh, we look forward to serving with you for many, many years to come. Let's go ahead and pray, and we will jump into the last installment of Jesus the Series, Season 4. Now, we'll have other seasons in the future, uh, but we're going to wrap this last one up. So this is the finale, and I'm excited about this uh, message this morning. I uh, also want to thank you so much for continuing to give. Man, it's just uh, such a testament to your commitment and your faithfulness that uh, you can uh, excuse me, continue to give even through the strangeness and confusion and uh, maybe even a little frustration at times. You have been faithful, and uh, we thank you so much for that, and we just ask you that you would continue to do that. Continue to pray for us as we pray for you as well, and uh, let's just show the light of Christ through our uh, love for each other. Let's pray. God, we thank you for another Sunday, another day that we can give to you. God, I pray as we open your word and uh, just, just look at you walking this earth, uh, that you would inspire us and motivate us to continue uh, to work that out in our lives and, and to be uh, the hands and the feet of you, God. And, and God, I pray that you just continue to Take things out of our lives that don't match up with you and pour things into our lives that are characteristics of yours. And uh, God, we want to thank you for um, taking care of us through this uh, financially and spiritually. Um, God, we just love you and we're going to praise you for all uh, that you continue to do for us. We do not deserve it and yet you love us anyway. In your name we pray. Amen. How many of y'all love to pay taxes, right? That's awesome. I just cannot wait to just do my part as a patriot and pay my taxes, right? Uh, Mark Twain said there's uh, only one difference between a taxidermist and a tax collector. He said a taxidermist only wants your skin. That's pretty gross, right? But it's kind of true, right? And we, I know we have a couple people that work for the IRS in our church, and I know we have some that, that work at uh, you know, tax places, uh, someone said once that there's one sure way to make sure you don't have to pay taxes, and that is to stop making money. And that's a sure way if you want to just, if you're tired of paying them. But there was tax collectors in Jesus' day too. And uh, we're going to see that uh, in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9, if you want to go ahead and turn there. Now, in these days, tax uh, collectors were not well-loved people, primarily because the country of Israel had been conquered, and it was under an occupying force. Imagine what that was like. Just name whatever country you want to. All of a sudden, Canada, right, is in control of the United States, and now we've got to pay our taxes somewhere else. And imagine that. They're paying their taxes to another government that had conquered them, and there was really nothing they could do about it either. And that's where we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9. As Jesus passed from there, he saw a man called Matthew. Now, the other two gospels are going to call him Levi. And he's sitting at the tax booth. And he said to Matthew, 
follow me. And he rose and followed him. Jesus reclined at a table in the house. And behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not a sacrifice, for I came to call the right, not the righteous, but sinners. So Jesus meets this tax collector. He's working at his tax booth. And I'm sure there's a Statue of Liberty person out there in front that's dancing and waving a sign, right? But this is a, there's a wrinkle with this tax collector because he is Jewish. So imagine that. Imagine this uh, Jewish man that is working for the occupying force, the Romans. He was seen as a traitor and no better than a thief. Matthew definitely held some different political beliefs than some of the other disciples, namely uh, Simon the Zealot. See, Matthew worked for the Roman government, while Simon the Zealot would have been working to overthrow the Roman government and take back their homeland. Now talk about being on different sides of the political spectrum. But because of their greater allegiance to Jesus Christ, these two men uh, were co-workers and brothers uh, in the gospel. The furthering of the gospel and following of Jesus was first and foremost in their lives. So imagine what it was like to be this tax collector, right? He's used to having anger and hatred directed his way. He was used to having people avoid him and maybe even have people shout at him in the street and maybe even spit on him. He was not a well-loved person. And imagine what that would do for your psyche, right, and your self-esteem. And all of a sudden you begin to start believing all the lies that uh, people tell about you and all the insults they throw at you. But then imagine what it was like to have Jesus, to go out of his way. Jesus with all his crowds and all his influence and all his disciples and him saying two words to this man. Follow me. Follow me. That's all it took for Matthew. Follow me. And he did. He didn't didn't ask where they were going. He didn't ask what was going on or why or, or any of that. He just got up and followed Jesus. That's all it took. Matthew responded to an invitation. Someone wanted to be around him, but not just anyone, the one, the Messiah, someone that cared about him. He was so excited to follow Jesus that he left everything behind. He left the booth. He stepped out. He left his lucrative job, all because Jesus noticed someone that was invisible to many, undesirable to some, but someone called to him and invited him and changed this man's life. So Matthew's ready to celebrate, right? He's like, all right, Jesus, you know, I'm following you. This is going to be awesome. But first, hey, let's go celebrate. Come over my house. Let's have a party. Let's have a feast. And then Matthew invites the only other people that would talk to him, right? Other tax collectors and other sinners. And Jesus sits down at this table to eat, to break bread. But this was not okay 
in the eyes of the religious people, right? This didn't follow the rules because a meal was a symbol of intimacy and togetherness. And you can't eat with a tax collector. You can't eat with a sinner like these people, Jesus. What are you doing? But this was one of the defining characteristics of Jesus' ministry and the gospel. Jesus loves the rabble more than the rules. Jesus loves people more than the policies. Jesus loves mankind more than mandates. Jesus, the friend of sinners. N.T. Wright says this, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Because while other religious leaders of the day saw their task as being to keep themselves in quarantine away from possible sources of moral and spiritual infection. But Jesus saw himself as a doctor who'd come to heal the sick. And there's no point in a doctor staying in quarantine. He can never do his job if he does that. Dr. Jesus ran toward the sick. Verse 11 goes on in chapter 9. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those that are well are in no need of a physician, but those that are sick. But if Jesus is so important, why isn't he eating with the important people like me? I should be the one that's getting attention. Why isn't Jesus coming over my house? I don't understand. Instead, he chooses to eat with those type of people. Tony Evans says, tragically, like the Pharisees, many modern believers turn all their focus inward to their Christian club and forget the reason that Jesus came to earth to invite new members into his family. Jesus leaves the 99 to go and get the one, and we should too. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. How many of you see the, sin, uh, the symptoms of sin sickness all around us? Brokenness and addiction and divorce and pain, depression. People need Dr. Jesus. And Jesus was on rescue mission. And that's where we will meet him today as well. If you're sitting around wondering why you're not getting attention and why you're not getting your way and why you're not being served, you may be more like the Pharisees than you realize. You meet God in the mission. Go and find people that are rejected and undesirable by society's standards and get to work. What should you do first? Something as simple as, hey, Come, eat with me. Here's an invitation for a relationship. Let's talk about Jesus. Let me, let me tell you a little bit about my life. Let me tell you about my background. If you're religious, but you have no compassion for the lost, then you're missing something. You're missing the heart of the gospel. If Sunday is all about you and not about running to the broken, and if your worship doesn't push you towards the people that God loves, then your walk is dead or maybe never was alive to begin with. See, we get comfortable in our holy clubs, and we forget that Jesus invites all believers to be a part of the mission to rescue people from eternal disaster. 
The mission of this church ought to flow out of its doors and into its cities. And that's part of the reason I'm, uh, you know, uh, this is an opportunity in what we're doing right now because it forces us to look outside of our walls. You're having church right now on your couch, on your street. Who on your street could use an invitation for a relationship and leverage that relationship to show them love and to serve them, but also to tell them about Jesus and what he has done for you? If the gospel doesn't flow out of our doors, then we become stagnant, and we can't do that because stagnant stinks. R.T. Wright says this, the difference between Jesus and the Pharisees lies in their conception of priorities in the will of God. For the Pharisee, the first priority is obedience to regulation. For Jesus, the first priority is a mission to people. A healer must get his hands dirty. Our faith must flow towards others. So when was the last time you ate with a sinner, right? Someone that wasn't yet a follower of Jesus. I implore you to find ways and be creative to break outside of your saint circle, this little wall of friends that you know agree with everything that you agree with and break out of that to where the people are, the ones that need Jesus. The ones that other people mean like, why are you hanging out with that person? They don't, they don't agree with you about everything. And when you do that, you will be more like Jesus than you are right now. Go to where Jesus is at the table with tax collectors and sinners like you and me. Next, Jesus gives them some homework. These Pharisees in verse 13, he, tells, hey, he says, go and learn what this means. Go do this. Here's your assignment. Write an essay. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not a sacrifice. And that may sound familiar because Jesus said the exact same thing to the Pharisees last week. He says, for I came not to call the righteous but sinners. He tells the Pharisees again to go and read Hosea 6.6. Figure out what that means. Jesus is telling them, I'm not looking for ritual. I'm looking for love. You don't impress me with your church attendance or the way you dress or the pious, somber way that you, uh, you know, carry yourself. You don't impress me with elaborate pageantry. I don't want superficial religiosity. I want people that are after my heart. I want people that will follow me in the everyday and show mercy to each other. Yes, I told you to perform sacrifices, but it was never about the altar. It was never about the lamb. It was never about the ceremony. It was always about your heart and a desire and a passion to please me. And it was about putting the love on display that Jesus, the lamb of God, would one day show to the world. And without that love, a sacrifice is empty. I desire mercy and not a sacrifice. And if we don't do that, then it's just a show. Jesus is saying, you think you are righteous because of all these religious things that you do, but I'm really just looking for people that remember that they are just sinners and they need me and they follow me. God can use that type of person. 
God can do something with someone that knows how much they need him. But again, the Pharisees don't get it, right? (laughs) So they just go to the next thing, the next rule or the next thing that the disciples weren't keeping. And they asked Jesus why the disciples didn't decide to fast like they do. Jesus is like, I just want your heart. He begins to get a little bit like, come on, man. You keep bringing up these rules and these things that you think that we're not living up to. And I'm here. I'm, the, I'm God in the flesh. And I just want you to love me. And you care more about religion and doing things your way and judging people that aren't doing it your way. And the very son of God is right in front of you doing a new thing. He tells them, my disciples understand that the Messiah is here. They aren't looking back, they're looking forward. And they will fast again. But now is not a time of mourning, it's a time of celebration. They are the bride and I am the groom. I am the new wine that's going to be poured out for them. Things are going to change. Man, Pastor Phil, why do you keep talking about these Pharisees, right? And about how the Pharisees always tried to stop Jesus in the works that he was doing. Look, I'm going through the life of Jesus Christ, and this keeps coming up. Every time Jesus does something and works in some way, there's a group of people that are standing in the background that just want to criticize. It happened to Jesus, and it'll happen to us. So don't get surprised when you step out to try and do something and really follow Jesus, that there might be some hardship and there might be some people that are saying, hey, I don't like the way you're doing that. And we keep talking about it because it keeps happening as we follow through the life of Jesus. Some people don't want to get it, right? Some people like their little game of church. Don't bother me with what God is trying to do. I've got a schedule to keep. Don't ask me to do anything during the week. Church is for Sunday. That's why uh, the way that we have always done it. Don't ask me to meet in a different way or try something new. That's not the way. And Jesus stands before us. And he says, I want your heart. I want your heart. I want you to care about people. I want you to love me. I want you to follow me. I want you to show mercy. And I know how hard you work, but you don't have to work your way to me. I love you. Stop trying to earn it and live in it. See, Matthew knew he was a sinner. People reminded him every single day, Jesus can do something great with a person like that. Peter was kind of a jerk before the crucifixion and the resurrection. He was proud, he was arrogant, he was angry. But then came the biggest failure of his life. He denied Christ when Christ needed him the most. And he knew who he was in that moment. He was a sinner that needed Jesus. But then he turned around and he preached the greatest sermon ever preached by anyone other than Jesus. Paul was one of these Pharisees. Paul had the same attitude. He was a hero to the Pharisees, one of the best in the world. But then Jesus knocked him off his donkey and blinded him and humbled him. And then he realized that he was the chiefest of sinners. And God did some amazing things through him. So what could God do with you? 
If you let go of some of those hang-ups you had and just chased the heart of God and remembered that you are just dust, but God can breathe life into you. Let's make sure that as we function throughout our lives that we're not just standing back and criticizing like the Pharisees did and judging people that are trying to rescue sinners. And instead, jump into the fray yourself because that is where you're going to meet Jesus. You meet God on mission. I wonder how many people in our lives feel like outcasts, feel like they're unwanted and they don't belong. I wonder if you could just speak two words to them that would change their lives. Someone on your street, someone at your job, someone at your school. This Matthew here, he followed Jesus for the rest of his life. He was one of the biographers of Jesus. He wrote one of the four gospels. He was one of the 12 disciples. Well, what do I say, Pastor Phil? You can say like Paul said to us, follow me as I follow Christ. Hey, Jesus is over here. Come on, follow me. Let's get close to him. There might be someone in your life right now that is just looking for that little nudge. And it could just be a simple offer of relationship that changes their lives forever. We should always be looking for and praying for God to set up divine appointments in our lives and help us to speak the gospel and let it change people. We gotta be looking. So what would it look like for you to do the things you're already doing, but instead of doing those things alone, you ask someone to do that thing with you? What if you decided that I'm not going to work out alone anymore? What if you decided that I'm not just going to golf with the same two people and invite the same two people out to eat all the time? What if you decided to read a book with someone new this time around? What if you started a new relationship with people and then let Jesus open the doors for you to be a blessing and a witness to them? Jesus is the friend of sinners, and we should be too. So go find someone that's not yet a believer and invite them. Invite them into a relationship with you. It doesn't matter what it is, but let them know that you care and that you want to take the time to get to know them. And then tell them about how you follow Jesus. It doesn't have to be a big lecture about how you're better than them in some way. No, just say, hey, I know we've been hanging out for a little while. Let me tell you about my life. Let me tell you about what's made a difference. And then see what God can do through them and in you. We meet God in the mission. We can't sit back and say, why, why am I not getting ministered to like I should be ministered to? The first question is, is who am I ministering to? Who am I stepping out? Who am I calling? Who am I visiting? Who am I talking to? Who am I making sure they're not isolated and alone during this time? Someone that is self-absorbed is the most empty person around. And that's a picture of who the Pharisees were. But Jesus was someone that emptied himself of himself and he put all of his uh, feelings and, and inconveniences on the side and he laid down on a cross. And if anyone ever 
could say, I don't deserve this. It's Jesus. But instead of that, instead of complaining, he invited people into relationship and he changed the world forever. 